Hey everyone, welcome to the Uncork Corner Podcast. I'm Nick. With me as always is my co-host Bianca, and we're excited to welcome back returning guest Michael Oxen from Night Shift Brewery. Uh, one of my favorite local breweries for sure, and one that I frequent a lot. So Michael, why don't you reintroduce yourself and uh, tell us a little update about what's been going on? Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, my name is Michael. I'm one of our three founders of Night Shift. Um, if you don't know us, we're out of Everett, Massachusetts. Uh, we're uh, actually celebrating our 10th year in business this coming March. Um, so, I, I mean, it's like crazy to say it's been 10 years because it feels like it's been less than a year sometimes. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's been a wild ride and uh, excited to talk. That's great. Yeah. And you guys have been growing like crazy in this last couple of years, especially. I know you just opened a new location with that, the launch of the Encore. I saw the brew pub recently in there pop yeah. up. So that's going on. You guys had your hard seltzer coming out, the cider. So you guys are really expanding. Like we talked about the coffee, uh, some delicious coffee that you guys roast. So yeah, doing a lot and really growing. Why don't you tell us, uh, we'll take a little detour here and talk about that new brew pub that you opened up in Encore. Yeah, for sure. Um, there, I mean, it's a sweet location, sweet team over there. Um, I should be clear. That's actually, it's, it is run by the Encore team. Um, so it's, it's tons of night shift beer over there, but it's more than just our beer. And, um, we don't actually operate it ourselves. It's operated by them, but like, it's got, you know, owls all over the place and tons of night shift beer on tap. Um, some of the best food around too, like amazing dishes. Uh, they, they got a really good culinary team over there. Yeah. The Encore has a lot. And I, I can personally say that if I was at the casino, that is definitely a beer that I would love to drink. I know a lot of people are spirit drinkers and I don't find that there's always great beer selection. So to know that Night Shift is there is definitely a win for all of us. Yeah, folk. <laughs> yeah it's, it's awesome. I think, you know, I think they've been, you know, thinking about what they're offering over there and how do they keep a mix of like new, exciting stuff that maybe people haven't heard of and also offering some local brands that, you know, everyone around town kind of knows. So getting the owl in there, I think was a, a pretty big um, feature of some of the changes they've made within the last year. Definitely. And it, I mean, you said it yourself, Everett, you guys were right down the street there with the original tap room and just really featuring you and using, you know, your brand and everything to show that they're keeping it local and not just bringing in some random stuff. I thought was uh, really cool. So I'm glad yeah, it's pretty good. They're good people. Uh, so tell us a little bit about some beers that we might find on tap right now. So you guys obviously have your staples, you're rotating. Um, ones that you guys bring back all the time. I know one of my favorites that I always see around stores, the 87. I have that one in my fridge right now. And then you've got Santilli, Whirlpool. Those are the basics. But are there any other, uh, you know, current ones that are brand new or ones that you've been really excited about? Yeah, we actually just, um, I'll hit on a couple. I would say like the, the biggest new one is Fluffy. Um, and it's actually, it's a beer that we produced um, in small batches back in like 2016, 2017. Um, and, and basically we didn't have enough really good hops to make big batches of it. So we'd always run out. Like it was one of those beers that we'd sell out of in, you know, hours. Um, and it was like, you know, we'd, we'd, we'd make a small amount and it'd be gone. We'd make a small amount and it'd be gone. And it was awesome because people loved it. But it was frustrating because there was never enough. Um, 
we've been fortunate that over the last couple of years, we've locked ourselves into some really good hops contracts and gotten ourselves access to hops that would produce that kind of beer in bigger batches. And so this year we were pumped to introduce Fluffy um, or reintroduce Fluffy to people. And it's shipping out like all over the state and it's gonna be part of our year round lineup. So as opposed to like taproom only, there's you know 50 cases come and get it while it lasts. It's all over Massachusetts and beyond into a few other states. And we're gonna try and make it um, you know, every month of the year. So isn't that part of a little uh, family of beers that you do? Cause I know one that I've had over the past couple of years is Fluffinity that I've seen yeah. all around. So you guys have a few in that lineup, right? Yeah, they're all sort of like hazy hoppy beers. So Fluffy is a hazy IPA, Fluffinity, hazy IPA. Um, we have Fluffier, which is a hazy double IPA, uh, Fluffiest, hazy triple IPA. And then our small version, uh, like the hazy pale is li little floof. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, right now the like sort of mainstay is going to be fluffy for 2022, but we'll probably bring, you know, those other ones in, in smaller batches. Um, it's just we're, we're trying to trying to keep ourselves at least slightly focused on one brand uh, going into the year. Yep, definitely. And, and um, I know. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I know I have here one that I haven't tried yet, but I found at the store actually last night called Shades On Sour nice. IPA. And sour I know this IPA. Is one um, that Bianca would like. She's a big fan of her sour beer. So I'm going to crack this one open. This is going to be the first one I try today. And then I nice. picked up another one called Haze Maze, the double dry hop, double IPA that I was really excited about when I saw. So I'm going to be cracking awesome. these two to try today. Cool. Yeah. yeah Haze Maze is sweet. I Go have ahead, to say that your sours are uh, by far my favorite. I love them. I think I like all of your beers for the most part, but when it comes down to it, if I was at the brewery or if I was out somewhere, I would order a sour just because I think you guys do a really good job with the flavors. Nice. Yeah. Well, yeah, the other two I was going to hit on was going to be Haze Maze and our new sour. So I'll just hit it quickly. Haze Maze is a rotating double IPA. So a double dry hop, double IPA. So what's cool about this is... Um, the batch you have now is a unique recipe. It, we probably won't brew it again. Um, we use you know, limited hops and limited availabilities. Uh, we throw those into the beer, create something special and unique. Two months later, haze maze batch. You probably have either batch one or batch two, but batch three will be out. And then that'll be a totally different recipe. I've got batch um, two right here. Batch two, yeah. So batch three will be next. Um, the, the base malts stay the same, so it'll still be like an 8% double dry hop, double IPA, but we mess around with the hop ratios. Um, so you get, you know, instead of like big hits of apricot and orange, it might be like mango and lime or something. Um, that's all flavors you pick up, not actual fruits you put into the beer, which I can now easily transition into beers that get fruit or sours. Um, Granita Weiss is the one that's out this year uh, to, to kick off the year. We're going to have four big batches of sours this year. And the, the first one out is called Granita Weiss. Um, and this one's sweet. It's a 6% sour and it has blood orange, guava, and pineapple. So it's like tropical heaven. We figured, you know, some people in January want to be sipping something that they could drink in the summer and like forget about the winter woes. And this felt like a nice one to have out for uh, the, the stormy weather. Yeah, definitely. When you can uh, sit inside, maybe by a fire or something, transport yourself a little bit and feel like you're on a beach when you're drinking yeah. something super fruity. Yeah, that's real nice. And then you 100%. can pretend. Yeah. And I see those all year round. So, you know, if that's uh, one of your staple and you really love that lineup, you can always have it, which is really For cool. Sure. This sour IPA is unbelievable. This 
this is one of my favorite beers that I've ever had. I, this is the first sour IPA that I've ever had, but having that little sort of, uh, it's hard to describe that it's little weird. hang on it on top of the, you know, easy, crisp drinking IPA is really, really good. It's a weird beer. I love that beer too. And it's very polarizing. Like I've had people at the tap room, like, they're like, this is disgusting, you know? Like, and, and that's cool. Like, I, I think some of the most interesting beers are ones that are polarizing and create strong opinions. Um, you know, some part of me believes that like, if you don't have some haters, you're doing something wrong. So uh, I, I actually like that, you know, it creates lots of love and lots of hate with yeah. that kind of beer. Um, but I, I personally, I'm with you. It's like very thirst quenching and like this weird combination of hoppy and sour. Yeah. It's almost like a bitterness, like a grapefruit on the back yes. end. It's on top of it. It's really good. Uh, when you, you know, when you're saying that, I think a lot of people too, just haven't really expanded and went down that sour beer route yet. And it really yeah. is acquired. When I was first starting out, one of the beers that I tried from you guys was the Weiss because I really like, you know, just a nice white, you know, Weiss beer or something like that. And I thought it was yeah. going to be the same. I didn't really know about sour beers or anything. I tried, I'm like, oh, what's this? But then, you know, as I've obviously tasted a lot more beers by then, and I've really sort of developed that palate and I enjoy them now, these are ones that I go back to and I found myself getting a lot more often. And just as that sort of change of pace, I've had tons and tons of great IPAs and double IPAs, but sometimes you just want something different. It's going to hit you different, you know? Totally, totally. And one of the things that a Night Shift does really well um, is interesting flavor mixes. I think you have a lot that come and go in small batches, but also your staples that just combine a really interesting uh, ingredient mix. I think a lot of places stick to, you know, more, more, ingredients that they know people are going to like and I love that you mix things together so looking at that granito ice like those flavors are so cool you don't always see those in beer no. um so it's cool to see that so I'd be curious and I don't know if there's like a straightforward answer for this but how are you coming up with these interesting flavor combinations and I'm sure there are ones that you uh try and you're like absolutely not never again uh, yeah <laughs> so I'm curious about that process well, we, we really, we, we focus on, um, we focus on a lot of R and D through our Everett facility. So we basically, if you really want to simplify things, we either brew big batches of stuff or small batches of stuff. And if it's a small batch, it goes through the tap room. It goes through our Boston location and Lovejoy maybe hits like a couple bars in the area who are like willing to be sort of R and D partners. And they know they're getting into something that's sort of an experimental beer. Um, but beyond that, it really doesn't, it doesn't go too much further. And so those are oftentimes those beers are, or the small batches are dedicated to recipes that we're like testing out and we're not sure about. So we've done a lot of like use with guava, pineapple, blood orange, a lot of different fruits and small batches. And we, you just do a lot of learning about ratios and when to add the fruit, which, which kinds of fruits really work well together. Um, what styles of beer, you know, accept fruit nicely versus it just doesn't work. Um, and once we're pretty confident in something, then we upgrade it to a bigger batch and that's when it hits like a larger, um, market. So Granita Weiss is a good example of like, we've never actually brewed that exact beer, but we've brewed versions of that with fruits, either, either those exact fruits or fruits like them in the past. Um, like I, don't, I can't say we've used blood orange recently, but we've definitely used oranges and, you know, that's enough overlap. So we've done that kind of stuff and we were confident now enough in that recipe to say like all right let's let's make a huge batch of it and get it out to you know massachusetts new hampshire uh, rhode island etc 
So on the opposite spectrum, getting away from those fruity summery beers, do you have any seasonal dark beers that, you know, that fireplace bar sipper right now, something like a big, you know, heavy stout this or something like that? Really good timing. Um, so this Sunday, I think it's Sunday, uh, starting Sunday in Everett and then next week all over, at least Massachusetts, um, we'll be shipping out this beer called Slow Drip and it's a Imperial Espresso Stout. Um, so it's, I mean, it's like thick, velvety, chocolatey coffee beer, um, like the perfect fireside sipper. Um, it, you know, it's supposed to mimic like an espresso flavored uh, drink, but the beer version, um, it's, it's big. It's like 8%. We use, uh, we use our house roasted darkling espresso beans. Um, so it's just, it's rich, roasty and, and decadent. I was about to say that uh, we did have you on a little bit ago now. It might have been a year ago. Yeah, or I think it was longer. Coffee. That might have been 2020. <laughs> yeah, it might have, that was pretty soon after we started. So for everyone listening, if you haven't listened to that original podcast, Nick will link it in the show notes so that you can listen to that one as well. Um, Night of Coffee is great. So I'm glad you mentioned that. And I love to hear that you're actually brewing with the coffee. So you're kind of cross combining uh, the different areas totally. of business that you guys are in. Is that the only one that actually uses the coffee or do you have others as well? We've, we've done some. Um, oh man, what, well, we have a beer called Awake that uses our coffee beans. Uh, we've brewed that a bunch in the last few years. Uh, and we actually started brewing Awake before we were roasting coffee. And then once we started roasting coffee, we were like, well, Awake gets our own coffee now. Um, and I'm just, I'm looking back to see what else we've done. Oh, you know what we did um, in the fall last year was this beer called Holy Jane. Um, so it's sort of a play on Holy Joe, you know, Joe being often a word used for coffee. Uh, so we did Holy Jane, which is our beer version of like a medium regular. Uh, so basically like, you know, uh, coffee with milk and sugar. So it's a, it's actually a blonde ale. So it pours like, I mean, you look at it, it looks like an IPA a blonde ale with uh, our coffee. We actually put vanilla beans in it and we put um, milk sugar in it. So it, it makes it taste a little bit sweet. Um, and that beer knocked it out of a park. Like that, that was an R and D beer. We didn't know what was going to happen with it. It was a small batch and people freaking loved it. Um, that was a cool one. Holy Jane. <laughs> Speaking of a medium regular, how do you take your coffee? <laughs> I drink it black. I, I'm, I'm like, okay. yeah, I, uh, you're right there. I, with I drink us, it black. I think. Yeah. yeah, we're all the same way. <laughs> Yeah, I don't judge people that want to put creamer or milk, whatever, like you do your thing. Um, I personally, I, I don't know. I like that bitterness and I like, I like it like that. Yeah, we're in the unusual Boston group of uh, non-medium yeah. regulars. <laughs> Very much. So when you're adding the coffee to the beer to add that flavor, at what point do you add it? Is it in the initial like fermentation or is it more like a finishing addition? Finishing. Finishing. Yeah, if you add it during fermentation, it's just, it, it's like, you'll mess up the beer um, and there's no sugar that you want to ferment out. So some of the fruits, when we add them, we actually do add them like as it's winding down fermentation. Um, if you add fruit post fermentation, if you don't, if, if it doesn't re-ferment with the fruit in it, you basically end up having extra sugar in the beer that could re-ferment in your can and create a can bomb, um, which nobody wants. So, uh, best avoided but coffee uh you basically treat it like you would it's basically like cold steeped 
And pretty soon we got the uh, Winter Olympics coming up. Do you have any special edition beers that you're going to be releasing along with that or in the next couple of weeks? That's a good question. We don't have any Olympic beers, but maybe we should. When does it start? Is it too late? I, I think it's uh, first, second week of February. I know okay. all the uh, a lot of the snowboarding stuff is going to be like February 5th and 6th. Yeah. So you got some time. You might be able to get some time. Together. You take guys take something else and idea. just redo a do a new label from a beer. Yeah, exactly. Well, well, that's the thing with the small batch stuff. You really can pivot pretty quickly. Um, yeah. I mean, we're usually developing labels like you know, three to four weeks out from when we're um, labeling the beer. So it's it's really not too far in advance uh, or or too late. Um, we could maybe fit it in. I don't know. You guys, I'll, I'll bring it back to our marketing team. We'll yeah. see. <laughs> It'll be the it. Uncork Corner Olympic beer. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, hey, now that the uh, Patriots are, you know, not doing not doing so hot, we can just focus on the Olympics. So <laughs> everyone needs something to just distract. Yeah. Yep. That's right. So you guys have a lot going on pretty much all the time at your tap room. And obviously it's been kind of a weird couple of years. Um, yeah. What do we have to look forward to in 2022? Anything new that's happening or are you guys going back to kind of some of that entertainment that you had prior? So, sorry, what entertainment? Some of those events that you were doing previously, um, are you continuing those or are you launching anything new that you can share with us that maybe uh, our listeners can hop into? Yeah, right. Um, I mean, we, I think we're like, we're slightly tentative on the, launching any like big new programming because we're just so uncertain of like where we'll all be in terms of public events throughout the year. But like, I mean, right now the plan is to, I mean, we want to have some huge music festivals in Everett this summer. Um, and like, we kind of didn't do that much over the last two years. So, I mean, we were known for doing some really big music festivals uh, back in like 2019, 2018. So I would say like tentatively, those are coming back. Um, and then beyond that, like Oktoberfest, like we'd love to do that again. It was, a, we, we successfully pulled it off last year. It was actually really well attended. Uh, we had good weather too, so it could mostly be outside. Um, so like that kind of stuff, we're, we're hoping to do the beer gardens again this year. Um, in terms of giant events, I don't know. I mean, we have like, you know, we got yoga every weekend and like, that's been really successful. We do, you know, what it is, we've actually, we've launched uh, comedy nights at Everett. I think they're happening either Tuesdays or Wednesdays. You'd have to check online, but um, those, I think it's Wednesdays and those have been really good. Like people come in and just like stand up for half an hour each or something. And like they, they, people love it. That'll be fun. I'll have to come down and see one of those. That sounds That's like been a really time. good. Yeah. Yeah. Grab some beers, watch some comedy. Yeah. Awesome. Now that Nick's back in Massachusetts, he has the it's true. Yeah. I'm down. This, I'm oh, up nice. in, uh, yeah, I'm in Middleton now. I moved. It's, uh, oh, I'm awesome. out of Maine, so I'm local again. I can get all your stuff. We were limited nice. up there. You know, we only had the, <laughs> the staples, but now I can get whatever, whenever. It's exciting. And then um, I guess I would say like on the, on the product side, like a few things come in this summer that I'm pretty excited about. Um, one is daylight. We're hoping to make bigger batches of this, but um, you know, we, we produce sort of like a light series uh, of, of like light beers and we're like very blatantly and obviously going after Bud Light and Miller Light and all those guys and really trying to like do the craft version of that. Like let's, you know, let's take some market share away from mm -hmm. these giant corporations uh, with a better product. So anyway, we produce a beer called Nightlight. It's an American light lager. We produce a beer called Limelight. It's a light lime lager 
Um, and now we're hoping to put out Daylight, which is a wheat lager with orange peel. Um, and there's some small batches out in the market right now, but that's like very R&D. Uh, but coming into the summer, we're hoping to have 12 packs and like, you know, really go big with that one. So that um, one going to be going after like a Blue Moon type of yeah, know, style Blue of beer, Moon, that mass top, market. Yeah. Um, light Sky, you know, like there, there's there's a drinker for that beer, but we think we got a better version that, you know, yep. it won't be for everyone, but um, there's a drinker that, that definitely wants that, but also wants to buy something that maybe tastes a little better than what's available and support someone who's local and indie mm-hmm. as opposed to mega... Yeah. Brazilian corporation that's basically run by accountants. I think that'll be huge if you guys get into that and you can start, you know, those Bud Light drinkers, if you can take them. I think everyone wants to support local if there's stuff that they could drink and enjoy. When you release those, do you do right. like, you know, the 12 pack, 12 ounce cans, kind of like the same thing you could get for those people that yeah. want to just go pick up a bunch. Yeah. That's the idea is like, you know, you got to play on the same terms and like we try and make it pretty aggressively priced as well. So like, it's, it should be like in the same format that you're used to buying for your light beers and priced within like arm's length of what you typically pay. So mm-hmm. it's not outrageously priced. It's trying to be competitive. It's like a buck or two more on the shelf than the, you know, the macro guys. But like, I think most people are willing to pay an extra dollar for a local better product. Yep. Um, and then the other big product we're trying to put out is uh, this beer called, or it's a seltzer, but we're calling it pink drink. Um, and it's just this pink drink that's wildly fruity. It's got all sorts of tropical flavor and it's just a can of fun. Wow. Um, yeah. That, so is it going to be, so is it going to be more like a, like a seltzer or is it going to pour more like a, I don't know, like a fruit punch, like something a little bit heavier, something in the middle. We're trying to something keep it undefined. We don't, <laughs> we don't want to pigeonhole it. Yeah. Um, it's just the it, pink drink. That's what it's going to yeah, be. It's just pink drink. Like, <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever seen anything like that. So that'll be it. really interesting to try. <laughs> yeah, it, it. it comes from the idea of um, we we had for a while a sour beer on tap at the brewery, uh, Ricky Weiss, which is a raspberry lime sour. Mm-hmm. And we had like our hoot hard seltzers on tap and our staff started combining them, uh, like literally doing half a pour of Ricky Weiss, half a pour of hoot into the glass and then mixing it up. And it just was this like slightly tart, refreshing, fruity pink drink. And they just call it pink drink. And it was like an insider only thing. Like you'd, you'd see if you'd walk into the tap room in a given like July, you'd see all the staff just with pink drink in their hands. And it just became this thing. Like I'm drinking pink drink. And we were like, we got to do something with this. So it is the, the final product is not actually half sour, half seltzer. Cause it's just production wise, it gets really tricky but it is trying to mimic that same experience of like tart, fruity, refreshing. Yeah. I think that'll be big this year. You guys released yeah. that coming up towards the summer and stuff. That's going to take off. I can tell. It's just a ridiculous product. And the can is ridiculous too. It just says pink drink. It's got like <laughs> palm trees on it. It's ridiculously pink. I mean, it looks like a joke uh, or like a, it looks like a caricature of a ridiculous product. And I kind of like that. Like, I- it, I know that they had the power of Barstool behind them and everything, but if you think about like the pink Whitney, how much that took off that pink lemonade yeah. vodka drink, yeah. I, exactly. the amount of dudes that are out there on golf courses at games and stuff <laughs> drinking that, I, it, there's definitely a market for it. If you, you get it and you can get that, especially with such a marketable, like it's the pink drink. That's what it is. Right. You know, like pink Whitney is going to be the pink drink. Like it, it'll really, I think, take off. I could see a yeah. lot of people making that sort of their new thing because with the market being like so saturated with 
seltzers and stuff. It's like people yeah. are starting. I've seen more and more of it where they were kind of like, all right, yeah, everyone's drinking the seltzers, but now you're seeing more of those craft seltzers. You're seeing people start to differentiate themselves For sure. because people are getting fatigued, which is the basic stuff. They're like, all right, uh, that's enough. Like, let's have something a little bit better. So if you can give them that new thing and really, I think it'd be really cool. I'm pretty pumped. Yep, looking forward to trying that out. And from cider to beer and wine, you have so much happening all the time. What are some of your favorites to actually drink yourself? Great question. Um, I mean, I, I, I love our wine that we've had out. The, um, the Albarino that we put out uh, might have been like late last winter, but it's just like super refreshing white wine. Um, like I, I was super into that. Um, our farm to cup coffee that we put out, it's like, it's like, it's, I think it's our most expensive coffee. So I, I didn't even realize that was the case because I, I just grabbed some, some bags from uh, the, the roasting table, not thinking about which ones I was grabbing, but I ended up liking the one that cost us the most, but it's <laughs> this single origin um, rotating series. But I, I've, I've loved that series. I think it's one of the best things we've put out um, in the coffee program. And then on the beer side, I'm pretty boring. I love, I mean, it's not a boring beer, but I love Whirlpool. It's like, it's just a beautiful beer. It's hazy and citrusy and peachy and uh, it's everywhere, but I, I love it. No, that's one of my staple beers. My beer fridge downstairs, I always have, you know, whenever I run out, I always get another four pack. It's always sitting in there. That's um, awesome. That's, just, that's what we hear a lot. Yep. It's, it's such like an easy one fridge. to have. And it, no matter what mood you're in, if you drink that, you're going to be satisfied. So. Yeah, sure. Whirlpool is one of those ones if you're having a party or you're having some sort of gathering that if you have it in the fridge, you know people are going to drink it. It's just one of those givens. Cool. And we try really hard. I think part of the reason Nick and I started the podcast is because we really try to highlight local brewers, just craft craft spirit and winemakers as well. It's not as many of those local. Um, yeah. But for the most part, like we really try to uh, live like that as well. So our fridge always has local beers in it, um, mostly awesome. from all around New England. But Night shift is a staple, and I think it is for Nick as well. It's one of the one of the earlier beers that I kind of got into on the um, craft side, so trying new things. And I I can't like now that we've tried so much, and Nick probably feels the same way. I, you can't really go back to commercial Definitely. beer because it's just so different. The flavors are so much better, and we just I, I don't know, just knowing where it comes from and knowing the people behind it is so special. Yep, I remember basically what my first I think three beers were that were craft beers they were all night shift one was oh, real wow. cool and i loved it one was nice. santilli and i wasn't crazy about it at first because it was a little hoppy for me yeah it's a i wasn't better. really into that yet but now yeah. you know now i like it and the other one was i believe it was called traffic cone oh yeah a white you know white and orange stripes on the can that was like my first three craft beers that really jumped me into getting out of that you know bud light blue moon you know Wrong. yeah so traffic yeah. cone had a tangerine peel i think um and this year just because you know you might as well hear this because it's kind of fun right now on shelves we have out tangerine limousine which is a double ipa that's based on the traffic cone recipe oh, interesting i'll have to go get that one too yeah it seemed very uh it's probably similar if i had to put into as like the fluffinity or something like that that yeah. same sort of ipa with yarn you know really you know super juicy crisp citrusy juicy yeah it's perfect word for it but yeah definitely night shift and my craft beer experience been hand in hand that's amazing right on each other <laughs> um and back jumping back to the coffee real quick i'm just curious that farm to cup coffee that you're yeah. talking about what was the origin on that one 
that you really liked? Let me take, a, I should actually, I, I, we've had, so it, it rotates. So, um, I mean, I think I'm a sucker for like Ethiopian um, coffee. So I, I know at least one of them uh, was that, but let's see what we got. I'll have to look. I'm, I'm going to get you an answer. I just don't have it. All right. This is the one that I have, or I've been brewing a lot recently. Um, Aquarius, this is Costa Rican, uh, the latest one. Okay. Um, and like, it, what we really try and do is, is source these beans like as close to the farm level as possible. So you're not paying for too many, you know, middlemen, so to speak. Um, and so th these beans were from uh, Aquarius farm, which is actually the largest contiguous farm in Costa Rica. Um, and carbon neutral since 2016, which is pretty cool. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, that's actually, I'll have to try that one. That's my wheelhouse, South America. When it comes to yeah, beans, yeah. like that's what I always go for. Super um, smooth. Like I yep. say, I mean, I, I, I'm like, well, as the Ethiopian coffee, like with that like crazy fruity, wildly juicy, like blueberry thing going on, yep. like I'm into it, but I also probably wouldn't drink that every day. Like it's not my go-to, but like really good, like Colombian coffee is exactly. like, I would have that like every day of the week. Nutty, chocolatey, just like easy, easy drinker. Yes. Always comes out good, especially if you do it in like a French press or something. You get a nice, rich yeah. coffee. Oh, I love it. That's, uh, yeah, but Costa Rican. So that, I think I have some Costa Rican beans downstairs right now, actually, from a place up in Portland, Maine that roasted cool. them. And that's, it's kind of a little bit of both where you get that chocolatiness you get that sort of south american but there's also a little bit of fruitiness in there like a cherry on the back so it's kind of that's probably why i was your favorites you know balancing sure. kind of sitting on the fence there but exactly. yeah that's um that's something that we have gotten into a lot more for sure since starting the podcast as well and talking to you guys and some other coffee roasters and once i started paying attention to where the beans are roasted making sure they're fresh and there's no going back everything has to be it's like you nice can't go fresh. back yeah no yeah. i can't just go buy like a pre-ground bag coffee anymore and be happy no nope. we, we did uh, that <laughs> between machines and coffee beans and grinding them nick is our <laughs> coffee aficionado he's yeah. he's got all the all the knowledge and all the learnings on the coffee but yeah. i'm still not i don't think advanced enough we just got uh <laughs> i just got two more things i just got a a brazza grinder the brazza encore which oh, is nice. a, it's a really yeah. nice um basic like kind of drip coffee grinder and we also got for easy everyday coffee it's like the best thing we bought one of the super automatic espresso machines from uh gaja nice. the gaja cadorna and being able to wake up click a button and like click espresso and it grinds it down and you get like a great espresso right out of the cup it's probably not as good as if you did you know manual and really tweaked it to your taste but just the ease of it waking up and being able to have sort of really craft like nice quality espresso or espresso drink is awesome it's really really sure. changed our game yeah for sure but that's exciting but there's something yeah i think if i had to choose even with that and everything french press is still going to be my go-to if really? i yeah, yeah i just love that nice rich thick coffee that you get from it and i feel like it, you don't get the same thing from anything else whether it's a drip machine or even one of the espresso ones it's a different yeah different animal with that highly pressurized but that sort of just immersion just the beans sitting in the water and nice and oh i love it that's good best. stuff yep we um we do or i started doing pour overs in the morning for myself and my wife um 
we, we just, we were playing around with different, you know, brewing methods and she like, she loves what we make in the morning now. So like, we're like, if I changed it, you know, she'd kill me. So like, we're, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're in, uh, cause she, she loves it. And I, I mean, I, I love it as well. And so like, it's, it's a pour over a bust uh, yeah. in our house at this point. That's good. I have a pour over too. I just, I have a, uh, just a basic kettle. I got to get like one of the nice gooseneck ones that you can get the real good pour out. Yeah, of. I, just, yeah. I have a regular one. I like so daintily twist it so i just get a nice small stream i try to mimic it but uh, i do love a pour over too but that's a it's a different thing if i'm doing yes. like more of an african coffee or something like that and i really yeah. want to taste the flavors that's what i'll do Brings that out. if i just yeah. want like my breakfast coffee it's gonna be that espresso machine i'll make something or i'll okay. do like a french press i was gonna yeah. say the same because nick bought me the chemex a while ago and it makes some incredible coffee i have yeah definitely loved i may i think last time um i had your coffee i used the pour over and i thought it was it just like it brings more flavor out i think it's that slow drip or something i don't i don't know like the science behind it but definitely one of my favorites french press is great but i find it's a little harder to clean so i'm lazy <laughs> so i, I go for a reason over too french press. <laughs> pour over is very easy to clean it up. is yeah. just yeah. dump out the filter yeah but- yeah, I get a. That's one thing. I'm like a big nerd when with my coffee. I make like a spreadsheet and I'll go through and I'll like every day. Oh, wow. I'll make like, all right, this is the number of beans that I put in. This is the amount of water so that I can tweak it and see, you know, how it comes out. That's something I have to do with pour over and French press, though. I did that back with my uh, drip coffee machine that I just got rid of when we got the new one. I gave it to a friend, but uh, I have to do that with French press so I can really get my ratios down and get them out. Wow. That's my You're like on step. a next level of geekiness. That's awesome. I am. I'm yeah. the biggest. Good for you. I'm an accountant. I'm an accountant. So it's like, oh, that's amazing. I yeah. think that's so cool. I I mean, I I don't do that, but um, we have people. I mean, a few of our staff that are you know that level of dedicated to their yeah. coffee as well. And like, it's cool. I mean, if, if you care about it enough, like it's it's totally worth it because you can just nerd out. Yeah, it's one of those things where I just I think doing that for me is what helped me learn origins and for stuff sure. like that. Because instead of just blindly throwing it at like this coffee's too sour, this coffee's too bitter, whatever, I you could play around with it and say, okay, well, this is what these beans taste like. This is what these beans yeah. taste like. Let's make these a little stronger. Let's make these a little lighter. And you yeah. can really sort of fine tune it. And I think that for me really helped me learn, you know, grind settings and the yeah. bean origins and stuff. So I liked it. But yeah, no, it's definitely way beyond. Like my friend that I just gave the coffee maker to, I just like I I'll print out my sheet and give it to him like put these numbers in and you'll be happy <laughs> uh, yeah well it's funny we used to um back before night shift roasting started we were you know just coffee um drinkers and uh we would our, our coffee love like began basically you know at the uh, the coffee table before uh brew sessions started uh on the production side so you know in everett 6 a.m we'd all be kind of gathered around making pour overs or whatever and like the big debates were always over, like, what's the best method? What's the best pour over um, ratio? Like, you know, how many beans, um, grind setting. So like we ended up having this, there was this big whiteboard and you'd have someone write down, like, this is the best way to make a pour over. And then like someone else the next day would write, like, this is wrong. This is better. And it became just like this giant joke. Like you'd walk by and it would be like, this is not good. Like, and it, we were just constantly debating like who could make the best cup and what was the best process. And like that level of, you know, geekiness over coffee is what drove us to be like, we're, let's start roasting beans. Like this yeah. is too much fun to walk away from. Now, is that something that 
I know like with the home brewing and stuff, like a lot of people start that way to get into the craft beer. When you decided you were going to take that plunge, how did you go about learning how to roast the beans and really make sure they came out good? Yeah, we, um, I mean, it, so it wasn't like, it wasn't like the, the beer side where we were like home brewers for f- five years before anything. Yeah. I think, um, you know, it was, we were fortunate enough to have like enough money to purchase like a, a pretty small pr- production roaster. Um, so it wasn't like an enormous in- investment for the business. And like, we were lucky we, we hired someone to basically be our, like our roaster and our educator to us. So, um, I mean, all in like the, whole roasting build out was probably like 45k and that that put us in a position to basically roast enough for the year if we if our projections were right or whatever so it's not like we started on like a a home roasting scale but we started out as small as you really can on like the product like wholesale production scale um and we just we had to find someone that like knew their stuff and could educate us because you know, we loved the product. We knew enough to know what, what we wanted to do in the coffee space, but we didn't know enough about like how to make it. So we, we did have to hire expertise. Um, and I'll say like on the brewing side, we learned that early. Like we, the three of us ran the business and brewed everything for the first two years. Um, when we finally hired someone and then more people who knew a lot more about how to brew beer, our beer got a lot better. So, um, you know, sometimes you really do need experts to you know bring up your game. Yep. And so this might be ignorance on my part because I've been living in Maine for the past few years. But when it comes to the coffee, do you have any like local distribution on that yet? Or is it just available in your tap room? I know you guys have like pop-ups and stuff and I've seen those, but are you available in like supermarkets yet? It's grown significantly. So I would say, um, you know, up to like, I think it's like roughly 70% of our product now goes out through wholesale. So it's um, like Wegmans, Whole Foods, um, like a bunch of different local stores like Pemberton farms is like an awesome uh, partner for us over mm-hmm. in Cambridge. Um, and so, I mean, there's, there's a handful of others that I'm uh, Roach brothers. Um, so like wholesale is becoming a bigger and bigger focus for us uh, as we grow, because, you know, it's, it's an interesting channel because there's, there's actually like, there's a lot of roasters out there, but in terms of like local roasters really focused on the kinds of, coffee we're focused on the competition like isn't so wild that it makes it impossible for us to really um you know get our name out there and compete and i think what we're trying to do is really bridge that gap between um the the big guys on the shelf like i mean you see like pete's coffee right and like they're going after a certain consumer that we're not really targeting um and you have someone like george howell going after like a, a specific consumer as well and i think we're probably somewhere in the middle of that where it's like we're trying to be really accessible the way that pizza is and like appeal to someone that like really wants to um, that's maybe a little afraid of like the nerdy coffee world. So we, we make the flavors like kind of simple and like put them right on the bag and like we make the labels very like personable and illustrative. Um, but we're like super focused on quality beans. Like we're, we're not putting mixer or blender beans in there and like we're only sourcing really good specialty coffee. So the quality is there. Um, but I would say we don't focus as much on like the origin details and all the specs that like someone like George Howell does that's appealing to someone who's probably a little more advanced in terms of their knowledge. Yep. Definitely. No, I think that's good. And a lot more people just like with everything, just how kind of craft beer blew up. I think coffee is sort of 
coming up to that way now where more people yeah. are getting away from the Keurig. They're getting that K-cup fatigue. They're realizing they're really just drinking kind of hot water and they're starting to <laughs> No, Everyone's going back to drip hot coffee. water. Yeah. Everyone's That's going back really to drip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's, I, it's no secret. I definitely don't hide how I feel about K-cups and stuff. <laughs> but yeah, I think more people are going that way and the more people that get grinders and, you know, good coffee making stuff and stop just buying, you know, I don't know if anyone buys like a Folgers or a Maxwell house anymore, unless you're maybe like a big business, like just cranking yeah. out coffee after coffee. But um, yeah, I, I like to see more people and I'm doing the same thing I do with the beer too. It's like, all right, just try this, just try this. Like I'm a big scotch guy and I, you know, yeah. friends that just getting into whiskey and they're like, Oh, but I'm only bourbon. I'm like, okay, well try this scotch. And like, wow that's awesome i'm like see it's like people get pigeonholed they're like okay scotch is johnny walker red or johnny walker black and they don't think like you know they might have tried to yeah. craft coffee from like ethiopia or india or something and it was really earthy and like oh no i don't want that but then if you give them something from a columbia that's like a really good coffee that has those easy drinking chocolatey notes um and you can put that in front of a lot of consumers people are gonna catch on and yeah you know it's gonna take off well, you don't know what you don't know, right? So if you haven't been exposed to enough, like you're just thinking like that, you sort of pigeonhole yourself into a corner. Um, and I do this a lot with light beer where I, I'll meet someone and they're like, oh, you know, I only drink Bud Light. Like that's all I, I'm looking for. And I'll just be like, you should just try Nightlight because it is not that different than Bud Light, but it's way better. And yeah, you know, I've like literally given it to people at parties and they're like, okay, I'll always buy this now. Like it's a very easy yeah. conversion because it's like, it's what I like, but it's an even better version of that. Mm -hmm. um, and what we often see is then that same person is like, oh, night shift, like, okay, I'm a, I'm a nightlife drinker. Um, I trust night shift. So like, maybe I'll try the Whirlpool next, right? And then they become right. a Whirlpool drinker and then they become a fluffy drinker. And exactly. then they're like geeking out on sours and like yep. Imperial Stouts. And it like, that's the path. Yeah, <laughs> that is, that's exactly the, the path. That's the progression. <laughs> yeah. And that's the best part, I think, about being able to taste things in a tap room because it's so hard to, you know, for people to justify, like, I'm just going to buy this four pack and I have no idea what it tastes like. And, you know, Nick and I do that because we'll share them and we'll hand them out to other people. But when it comes down to like a normal consumer, I think being able to go in and actually taste of, you know, a whole flight of different beers, it makes a big difference because if you don't like something, then you don't really feel bad about it because you didn't spend all this money on it. And yes. you get to find things that you like that you probably never would have tried because you would never have spent the money on it at the store. And then once you kind of figure it out, you feel more confident as a consumer going and buying those Totally. totally. And you'll learn, you know, what you like and what you don't like so that, yeah. you know, it'll help you. So like you were talking about, you know, those little steps, you know, that nightlight to whirlpool, you know, yeah. if it's just adding a little bit extra, you know, maybe a little bit different, it's oh, yes. okay. I get it. It's interesting. And then you go a little further and then eventually you're on to double and triple IPAs that are, you know, sour beers uh, <laughs> and it'll get you there. Yeah. And it doesn't take as long as you might think. I feel like once no, you get it started, it's like, oh, all right, next. Quick. What's next? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners before we close? We loved having you on again. Uh, yeah. As we've said numerous times, big fans. Uh, and personal consumers all year round. <laughs> but is there oh, anything you'd it. like you everyone to know? Um, what else do I want everyone to know? Let's see. You gotta let, let everyone about know about that Olympic beer that's coming out. <laughs> the Olympic, yeah. <laughs> the Olympic beer that's coming out. Um, and then, I mean, this is, what is it? It's a little bit further out, but like 
Um, coming out in March, we're putting out a beer called Strongest Female Lead. Um, it's a triple IPA with palmelo zest. And um, like a pretty good portion of the proceeds from that beer are going to go to Bark, which is, I think it's Boston Area Rape Crisis Center. Um, so it's like a, it's a good cause beer. Um, we're going to send it all out all over the state and beyond. But I would say like, you know, if you want to buy a beer that tastes delicious and, you know, makes you feel good doing like putting some money towards something good. That's like a, I'm pumped about that one. Um, the artwork is actually done by a female artist out of California. Uh, and she's done a bunch of art for us before. So um, art by a female artist, uh, the recipe was come up with by um, all of our uh, female brewers. And then it's, it's brewed by our female brewers as well. So the whole focus is on like, um, you know, it's uh, Women's History Month and um, an international women's day is the day it releases. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we look forward to trying all the stuff we talked about today. Uh, hopefully a lot of people get that one and we'll see a lot of your stuff coming up in stores and around coming up. So, uh, thank awesome. you again for taking the time to talk to us. We had a great time and, uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Cool. Thank you guys for having me. Cheers. Bye everybody. Bye. Bye.